in your ear holes. It's bonus time on the SOC. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with your boy, the Brian Campbell, back with the box, back with a bang this week. Interview special to get you fired up, not only for Saturday's top-ranked triple header from New York's Madison Square Garden on ESPN, the post-Heisman special, but also a bonus special guest announcing his next fight on this show. So get fired up for that. The Brian Campbell, of course, the voice that you hear. Please, it's holiday season. Spread that stuff forward with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume fine audio content. Why? Because the SOC is coming for you. The SOC's working OT to make this your combat audio home. What do we give you this week? I don't know. This weekend, we give you an instant analysis from Joshua Ruiz to the boxing show on Monday, breaking down the weekend to come. Pro wrestling on Tuesday, setting the stage for TLC and WWE. MMA on Wednesday when Sugar Rashad Evans Hit it hard getting you ready for UFC 245. Today is Thursday. Today it's the box interview special. But stay aboard because Friday we're hitting you up from Las Vegas, UFC 245 Media Day. All the stars ahead of that loaded card. Your boy BC in their face, in the face, asking the tough questions. Okay? Instant analysis Saturday from UFC 245. Instant analysis Sunday from WWE TLC. Wow, that was a mouthful. Every single day you can hang out with this guy and my crew of misfits just telling it like it is, folks. Woo! All right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Maybe he, uh, he blew his wad early. Close. Close there. Wow. All right. I like I like uh, audio. I like my listeners. I like you. I like sex. It's nice. All right. Uh, look, we got some big-time fights this weekend, and we got some big-time guests today. But let's spoke what needs to be spoken. The headliner today was supposed to be the great Terrence Bud Crawford, WBO welterweight champion, who, yes, Saturday main event, mean machine against Aegis Kavalowskis. Kavalowskis, my Lithuanian brethren. Uh, mandatory title defense, Madison Square Garden, all that good stuff. Um... You know, we tried. Tried hard for a few days. 2018, State of Combat Boxing Content Provider of the Year, Evan Korn, the great EK, the corner man. Hey, tried hard. Tried hard. Ed Keenan, my brother in the PR game, tried hard. But I, in the end, had to ask this question. Bud Crawford, are you game or what? Or what are you? Bronze Bomber, are you game? Are you a jacker? Are you a jacker? Are you a jacker? Or are you out? He's out. He is. He jacked, all right? I'm not pulling out nothing. Well, Terrence Crawford pulled out. We did not get him this week. It happens. It happened. Happened a few times. It is what it is. I ain't turning heel on Bud Crawford. This ain't a Tyson Fury situation. This ain't Jamal Charlo jumping down BC's throat, although I didn't turn heel on him. I I love me. I love me. Some Charlo brothers. Why? Why, you ask? Why? Why would I say that? Yeah, you know I'm the best. Hey! Um, so we're supposed to get Bud Crawford today. It didn't happen. But here's what we do have. I was in New York City this week. We got one-on-ones with Teofimo Lopez Jr. ahead of his big-time 50-50 lightweight title bout against Richard Kami. You want to get into the drama, the family drama, all that stuff that's circulating around this 22-year-old sensation. Was that last fight uh, over the summer against Nakatani in which he did not look so good? Was that an aberration? What was going on in his head? A lot of stuff to chat with him about. Lomachenko is one of those conversations. You're not going to want to miss that. We've also got Mick Conlon, the great Irish featherweight, up-and-coming future star who has that amateur rematch. Only this time it's professional against Vladimir Nikitin this weekend. Middle fingers galore. He's going to retell the story of the 26 Rio Olympics, the controversy, all that infamous stuff. NBC had a slide in a bonus. No bud this week. But here's what I got. The fine people at the zone have hooked me up with WBO middleweight champion Demetrius Andrade. He's fired the heck up. Not only is he going to announce his opponent on this show for that January 30th return. Yes, Thursday night, Super Bowl weekend in Miami. 
You're going to get an earful, Big Red Canelo, if you're listening to this show, all right? I was born ready. Okay, well, you're going to have to hear it because Boo Boo Andrade's fired up. He wants you anyway, anytime. He's got some thoughts about your matchmaking. You're going to hear that on this show. Do not miss any of that. I didn't want things to go by, though, without me bringing up Bud Crawford. I didn't end up getting him. He's a busy man. He picks and chooses what he wants. But he did some interviews. He 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 did that sit-down with Andre Ward for ESPN+, Plus, which was very good, by the way. Bud is really coming out of his shell and speaking his own truth and, and saying... Almost to the degree of, I don't really want to trust certain media members anymore to, to pick and choose what they want to say. I want to tell my own story. And I, I can certainly respect that. But some of these comments really centered upon this. And I get where Bud's coming from. Let me say that off the start. Guys, he's on an island. We know Bud Crawford's on a welterweight island. Population one, Terrence Crawford. All right? Omaha, Nebraska. So please, shout out to all the fine people there. Shout out to Omaha, Nebraska. Thank you. Thank you, Bomac. All right. Um, it's not like PBC is going to go out of their way right now to please Bob Arum, please Crawford. Oh, here's Danny Garcia. You know, ha- have the biggest fight of your career. Oh, here's Sean Porter. It's probably not happening right now. We want Spence Crawford. We wanted Mayweather Pacquiao. We had to wait for it. Probably going to have to wait for this. It is what it is. But at 32, though, it's in such an interesting spot. This is one of those topics we've touched on in recent weeks. What happens? I mean, this guy is great. He might be the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. He might be showing you all-time great intangibles and skills and poise and everything. But you don't really know until you really know until you're really there in the damn deep end against the very best in the world. What if at 32, we have to wait another two, three years? What if it's Mean Machines and Bisputins and and washed-up cons and all that for a while? What if we have to wait until he's post-prime to finally see him against those very best welterweights. It's interesting. Now, he's fielding it from the standpoint of like, look, if I retire right now, having unified all four belts at 140, winning titles in three divisions, I'm a Hall of Famer. I got money in the bank. I ain't afraid. And I can certainly respect that. What I have issue with is Bud taking the hard stance of this. I don't have to go to those guys. Those guys have to come to me. <sighs> hmm. You know, I get why you would want to say that. You want to take back some of the power in the time when you don't have leverage, right? BBC's got all the names, dude. You have run. You have runneth its course of the names possible at 147. Okay, you beat all. Let's them. call Jeff Horn. Yeah, he beat Jeff Horn. Okay, he beat. And look, these wins are like there. There's the thing about Bud's resume is like. You can go back and make the negative argument. Well, really, who has he fought? Well, he's got a lot of really good B&B plus wins. We're just missing those those key A ones. And I get why he'd say they have to come to him, but they don't. They don't, bud. So here's the deal, Terrence Budcroft. This is BC talk. Your boy BC right here. We didn't get the interview done this week. Whose fault is that? It ain't mine. I'll tell you that much. But here's the deal. All right, bud? I love I love me some Bud Crawford. All right? Look, look full... Full disclosure, I used to work at ESPN. One time, Bud came in. This is early Bud. Came into ESPN's Making the Rounds. Remember that jam? I interviewed him on set. I had my kids with me. They were probably five or six. He took pictures of them, put his arms around them, was talking to them about school. Bud Crawford, great human being, by the way. But, Bud, you got to come to them. I'm serious. So, unless you're willing to fight them when you're 36... You're going to have to come to them. So how do you come to them in this boxing divide? You pick up the phone. Or as Bud said in the interview with Andre Ward, I don't want to have these conversations over the phone, right? Like, I, I actually enjoyed Bud being so honest, saying, look, I feel like everyone screwed up the American promotion. That should have been a bigger fight, and it wasn't. Those people screwed it up. I had to tell them to their face. Whoever those people are, by the way, whether that's Bob Arum, Top Rank, ESPN, whatever, I respect Bud digging in deep and saying, look, I know who I am. I know my value. What's going on here? But, Bud, you got to pick up the phone. You got to call Bob. All right? All right? He'll pick up the phone, unlike the other guy, right? Where, where's where's that sound bite? You know, you know where we're going with that next, okay? Thank you. Can't find it. All right. You got to talk to Mr. Cancer, but he'll never talk to you. Uncle Grandpa will talk to you, though. And you have to be as bold and firm. And maybe you are, by the way, and I'm underscoring this because I don't know. I'm not in those meetings. 
but I only see the fruit and the results. I need you to go into Bob's office. Get everyone in there. Get ESPN in there. Get everyone in there. Get Tim Bradley in there. Get everybody in there and say, look, I don't care about your political issues. I don't care about your promotional issues. I don't care, okay? I don't care about your life, your family. I don't care about Matisse's life. I don't care about his people. I don't care about his family. I don't care about them. I don't care about business. I don't care about money. I care about Bud's legacy, okay? All right? You think I care? About the other stuff? You think I care about what the freak that guy that acted that way, that behaved that way, that I care what he thinks I'm saying? No. No. I don't. I don't. All right. Yeah. I think it's time Terrence Crawford uh, kicks the doors in at ESPN. Look, ESPN's doing a Fury Wilder co-promotion with Fox. That's big news. You know, if it, if it bombs, is it big news? I don't know. But I want to get to Crawford Spence or Crawford Porter, or Crawford Garcia, or Crawford any Crawford Pacquiao, or anybody on that side, quick. How do you do that? I think you kick down the door and you say, look, what are we doing here? I ain't fighting any more mean machines, all right? I know Bob's counterpoint this week to the media has been, look, there's going to be a lot of big names coming up, and they're coming up from 140. They're going to eventually face Bud. It's going to be Jose Ramirez. It's going to be Regis Progray, maybe even a Josh Taylor. Okay, that's cool. But we don't really even know right now as as boxing hardcores, right? Not, not I'm not talking about the the regular fans, as Richard would end up telling us. Uh, you are the boxing hardcore. You're not regular fans. The boxing hardcore. I'm not sure is even sure right now that Josh Taylor, Regis Progray, and Jose Ramirez will end up being A caliber opponents. They may end up only being B plus in the end. They may end up being in that lot of the of the. Benavides and the horns and and look when you say Jeff Horn, you got to put that sound bite after it. Um, I don't know, like those are good fights potentially, but I feel like there's a lot of best butins in your future, bud. So kick down that door. Don't do the interview with me. In fact, you didn't do the interview with me. Do the interview with Grandpa and say, "Here's the deal. I don't care about what's in the way. I need to fight these guys." Okay, I love this ESPN contract that's paying for my kids' child or my kids' college fund down the road. But even if it can't happen on ESPN, it needs to happen. I don't care about your life and your promotional issues. I care about who I fight. I care about proving to the world that I really am pound for pound king. And by the way, I do encourage you to listen to that. You can't listen to Bud on this podcast, unfortunately, but you can listen to that Bud Andre Ward interview in which. I like it. I like seeing an almost spiteful bud saying, why is Lomachenko pound for pound king? It should have been me after Indongo. I don't agree with him, but I like that sort of chutzpah, or as Eric Raskin would say, don't call it chutzpah. All right? Thank you. Thank you, Eric Raskin. Okay? 1998, Maccabees doubles champion. Thank you. All right. Uh, so that's the deal on bud. There were a couple comments overall that lately in the media that sort of turned me, but I understand he's feeling... He's feeling the negative takes of people. He's feeling people that aren't taking into account him when they're saying some of these things, taking into account what he's already accomplished and his ability, and I get that. But at the end of the day, you're judged by whether you fought and beat the best in your era, in your division at that time. And um, I don't want to see you fight Spence when you're both 36, okay? I want to see it happen like later this year in a joint double pay-per-view. In fact, again, you know, we... You know whose fault this is? You know whose fault this is? It's the boxing media's fault. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. All right? This is YouTube. This is not the mainstream boxing media. No, but the boxing media's fault in taking business in boxing and making it front page news and making it equivalent to a fight. Why do they do that? Because we've endured the best not facing the best. The best fighters only fight as it is twice a year. There's a lot of downtime for barbershop debates. There's a lot of downtime for a lot of crap. Unfortunately, the business of boxing became equal level front page news as the actual fights in boxing. So I think there's an enabling that goes on. Well, that guy can't fight that guy, so why are we having this conversation? When in reality, even us, the boxing media, the hardcore, we're not talking about regular fans, needs to stand up and say, enough with the network enabling. Make the damn fight if you want the health of the sport to continue.
That's just BC on the soapbox. Ain't nobody listening, though, okay? But, Bud, you hit some chords that I thought were correct this week. You hit. You, I think you missed on a few. But I think you have to go after it. I think you know where you are on this island. And if you really are content with walking away and maybe never fighting these guys, as you say, because you said you only wanted to fight another three to four years, that, that look, that I'm not going to argue with that. That's you, man. You're sitting there talking to Andre Ward, a guy who walked away on his own terms and figured, you know what, I've accomplished enough. I got the money in the bank. I got the, the, the legacy. I got the argument to make that I was the best of my era. Maybe that ends up that for Bud, but don't forget. Bud made these deals, these network deals, these top-ranked deals, these contract extensions. So you made your bed, and inevitably you're going to have to lay in it. And if it goes down like that, that's fine. You will probably end up in the Hall of Fame. You are a sublime talent, Bud. But I I very uh, selfishly want to see that sublime talent both speak on this podcast more often and prove to me, not prove to me that you are worthy of pound for pound king because again i got you at number two you're right there already but prove to me that you are sugar ray leonard prove to me that you are floyd mayweather prove to me that you are a pillar in the history of welterweight boxing that you are a sublet you are this generation's you know smooth jazz that you are the best thing like prove that Okay, like he doesn't need to prove that to me but as a selfish fan i need to see that because i think you're that good bud so that's the deal on that. He's got me and Machine this weekend. He's probably going to roll through him. It is what it is. All right. Hey, we're going to get into the interviews. We're going to do that. We're going to do that right now. Actually, you know when we're going to do that? Right after a word from our friends and sponsors. Yeah. All right. Dig it. And we're back, your boy BC. It's a triple header of boxing bonus interviews today. And here's where we're going to kick off. Teo Fimo Lopez Jr., just 22 years old. Been on this show a few times. I love me some Teo Jr., by the way. It's this fight that you got to... I mean, this is going to carry the card on Saturday against Richard Kame. Winner picks up Kame's IBF. I believe it's IBF 135 title. Weight category 135. And the whole bigger story... There's a couple storylines here. Is Teofimo Lopez Jr. as good as he looked? Knocking out the rock-hard mighties? Storyline A. Storyline B. Can he really get past Richard Comey, which no one's really talking about? Storyline C, the winner, going to probably fight Lomachenko for all four belts. Is Teo ready for that? It's wild. It's crazy. Um, we know there's a man who writes about fathers and sons. First, which division again are we talking about? 135, weight category. 135. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Mark Kriegel has cornered the market on fathers and sons, right? I mean, Rafe had a nice book called uh, Kriegel, McSorley's, and Me, Two and Two. Just kidding. Um... He nails these pieces. Sometimes they're overkill, but he nails these pieces. He nailed it this week. There's a piece on ESPN.com. Really looking at the pressures that are on Teofimo Lopez's shoulder, Jr., at age 22. He's married. His family does not approve of his wife. His family is wild. His dad, as a trainer, is the one who's doing the Angel Garcia uh, routine on the microphone and saying, no, he'll, he'll knock out Lomachenko right now in two rounds, three rounds, whatever. And... Uh, the you know the whispers a top rank wants that guy out of there as trainer. They brought in Joey Gamachi this time as a in a co trainer role. Um, Kriegel's piece you should almost pause this podcast and read it as a foundation, and then listen to the words that Teo says. And Teo Junior has he's got a great smile. He's got a great personality. He's funny. He's 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 up. He's very positive. He's very warm. Yeah, I mean, I love the guy. I love the guy. He he says, hey, if BC's interviewing me, that means I'm doing something great. No one, no one says that to me. I'm a, you know, who, what am I, a clown? Sometimes I'm a clown, all right? Teo gets it. Teo gets it, okay? And um, he's a great dude, and he's able in this interview you're about to hear to field the questions about the drama in his life and sort of just deflect. Not really deflect, but just sort of say, look, it is what it is, but I'm still fighting. I'm going to get through this. And read that Kriegel piece to really show the chaos and the pushing and pulling in different directions that's going on. I think that explains a lot about why he did not look good in his last fight. And I think it 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 really paints an interesting picture for Saturday because that talent is in there for, for Lopez. And, I mean, there's just, you know... Visions of Roy Jones jumping out of there at times. And if you tell me right now, 
He knocks out Comey after, you know, some some hellacious five, six, seven rounds. I'll believe it. If you tell me right now he gets solved and loses a tough decision, I'll believe that too. He's at such a crazy point in his career. He's only 22, and he's going in not just against a tough ass out in Richard Comey, but the idea that if he wins, he's going to face the best in the world. Sorry, Bud Crawford. He's going to face the best in the world at Lomachenko with category 135 for all the belts. So, man, there's a lot on this kid's shoulder. Kid. Kid, kid shoulder, all right? It's an interesting dynamic, yet he shines in that. So it's, it's wild and crazy. You're going to hear from him right now. It's Teofimo Lopez Jr., the takeover, coming at you. Enjoy. New York City, the backdrop for Saturday's triple header, and you are looking at him, possibly the next big thing in boxing, lightweight title contender, Teofimo Lopez Jr. Your co-main bout at Madison Square Garden for Richard Colmay's 135-pound title, just 21 years old. 22. 22. Just your 15th pro fight. Yes. I know what you're going to say, but you ready for this? Absolutely. I was born ready. Uh, it's taking over, man. I'm definitely going to win this fight Saturday night. And, I mean, we prep very, very toughly for this fight. You know, um, nine weeks in camp for a reason. All right. Richard Comey is from Ghana. And to give a positive stereotype, when you know you're going in there with somebody from Ghana, they're going to be there all night. They're going to be coming. The whole sort of talk is, is the takeover real? Are you ready for the title level right now? What type of fight are you expecting? Might as well tell you. Might as well call me part Ghana, too, because, I mean, uh, I'm going to come forward as well. So, I mean, it's just the type of fight that you're going to get is honestly an explosive, all-action rounded type of fight. So, I mean, that's why a lot of fans are coming out, and they, they're really looking forward for this fight. This fight may end up stealing the show. No disrespect, of course, to Terrence Bud Crawford, the welterweight champion. That's, in- why, that's why we call it a takeover. <laughs> get ready, New York. Get ready, Madison Square Garden. Um, when you look about your journey to get to this point, did you think it was going to happen so fast? Did you think 15 fights in when you turned pro, just 22 years old? Honestly, I'm still um, I'm still trying to absorb all that. You know, um, everything comes, man. And I mean, when you're when you're at the top and you're doing what you got to do, I mean, obviously, all these things are gonna come, and you just got you gotta prepare yourself for them. So I think, honestly, looking at it, I mean, we didn't see it come this fast, but we knew that it was gonna come eventually. So we're ready. Look, to be a fighter, you got to be confident. To be a guy like yourself who can talk the talk, who can be a brand. There's got to be something different about you. How do you know when I ask you, are you ready? Are you for real? How do you know deep down inside? Just within myself, man. I think, honestly, it's just the preparation, everything, having a great camp, um, and just believing in yourself, man. You can't do this without believing in yourself. But to be so charismatic, to be aware of your potential as a superstar, does that come early? Is there a point in a crossover point as as a kid where you say, "Look, I'm ready for the bright lights." Um, yeah, man. My father always told me, uh, "You always got to entertain." Since I was little, since I was like eight years old, starting into this and everything, man. When I uh, com- competing, uh, actually competing in the amateurs and everything, same thing. Always entertain, and I just grew up with that, so it's in me. That's why a lot of people say I got like that it factor, and that's really what it is, man. I could. I could talk my talk. I'm going to back the back. I'm going to back it off and um, just do what I got to do. All right. You're coming into this fight, your first title fight, off a tough test against Masayoshi Nakatani in which you saw some experts afterwards saying, is this too much too soon? Did Teofimo hit a certain wall where he had to learn some things and check yourself? I got to assume you're your own toughest critic. When you look back on that fight, what did you learn? What did you take from it? Uh, What I take from it, honestly, um, everything happens for a reason. I think everybody's looking forward for this fight just because of that. So, you know, um, uh, you want to talk, talk all you want. I mean, honestly, when I look back at it, I just look at it as um, it's good for the fans. You know why? Because then they get to see is Teofimo the real deal or is he not? And come Saturday night, that's what everybody's going to see. Was that a frustrating night for you in the end, though? You still get the victory, but the idea of you walking a guy down in two rounds and knocking him out didn't end up happening. You had to really work for it. Is it safe to say that that wasn't the fight you intended, how it played out? Honestly, I think every fight that we go into, we do, there's a plan that we all have. And obviously, it changes throughout the throughout the rounds and everything. So you can't never predict exactly what's going to happen. Um, all you could do is prepare yourself for everything. And that's what we did in our camp last time. Uh, we prepared for all 12 rounds, and we ended up doing all 12 rounds. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not upset at it at all. You know, uh, everything came out the way it did. And honestly, I, that's why Saturday night is going to be a special night because that's the way we finish it with a bang. Well, through your 14 fights, that would be the only point of criticism. That would be the only point where somebody could say something negative. 
feeling that for the first time. Did you store a little bit of that in the back? You ready to do a How You Like Me Now? You ready to do a Y'all Must Have Forgot on Saturday night? Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Um, I think, honestly, it's just, uh, it's kind of like revenge, but vengeance. Yeah, vengeance. That's what it is, man. It's just vengeance that I have. And I think that's what sparked me for this type of, uh, for this type of magnitude of a fight. So I'm definitely excited. And I think everybody else should be for sure. I'm going to knock them out. Wow. Wow. And you're, this is, this is not some prospect on the way. You're, nah, you're facing nah. a tested champion. No, I know I'm facing a tested champion. I know he's a two time world champion and everything, but this is my time. His time's over. What is at stake outside of the first world title? What's tangibly at stake in this fight for you? Everything, man. My, my stock either goes up or it goes down. Just if we want to talk business wise, my stock goes either up or goes down. Um, this, uh, God planned this all for me. And this is all, all, it is all or nothing. So this, this fight means, it means more, it means a lot for both of us. But this, this fight right here puts the icing on the cake. Is it an automatic that if you win this world title, that the idea, the plan would be to go forward to the, uh, to, to the hope of having a four belt champion, an undisputed lightweight champion, when you consider in the same promotional stable, there's Vasily Lomachenko with three of those four belts. You're fighting for the fourth. We have like an analogy I like to call it is, you know, beating Kome is the icing on the cake. Beating Lomachenko puts the, puts the cherry on the top, and then I get to eat my cake. So All right. there you go. So I think, honestly, everybody just need to tune in, man. Uh, 2019, December 14th is when it all starts. I assume Lomachenko will be an interested observer, considering so much talk in the idea of him facing the winner, maybe in 2020, maybe unifying those four belts. Are you cool with him? Have, what has been your interaction level with Vasily? Are we, are we respectful buds, or is there a little bit more going on? Uh, I, will, I will say business. But, you know, um, I do got a little something with him, but it is what it is, man. It's just some some people I could I could I could like, you know, connect with. And then just there's others like like him that I can't. So, yeah, I think honestly, it's just it's going to be an interesting fight if that ever goes down. You're certainly you're 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 an original specimen. You're your own neat combination of the fighter you've become. But when I go back and look at the highlights, when I look at you sending rock hard mighty to hell, I'm thinking young Roy Jones Jr. Do you credit any sort of influence from that side? Uh, yeah, man. <clears throat> Actually, I looked up to all those guys: Roy Jones, Pernell Whitaker, um, Floyd Mayweather, Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali. The list goes on and on. I mean, Alexis Arguello, Roberto Duran. So I mean, you get all those, and I just portrayed. I just looked at them and just try to grab small and anything that was important that brought them up and put that into my my type of style. So. You know, I mentioned off the top that tough matchup against a Richard Comey because that reputation for being a tough Ghanaian fighter is there. You're a Honduran fighter. Yes. What does that mean in terms of positive stereotypes? What does that represent? <laughs> um, <clears throat> we're Latinos, man. We come forward, man. And I think that, honestly, we get to show everybody that we, we, we got, como we say, huevos. We got big no, balls, man. Huevos. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I think honestly, <laughs> um, man, I think everybody's just going to tune in. It's definitely going to enjoy it. Uh, we come forward, man. Uh, that's the type of fighter I am, man. You hit me, I'm going to hit you harder. I know you're not talking to me, but yeah, all right, all right. Uh, look, it's been a, a wild year for you. Congratulations yeah. on your marriage. You're going to get your first title shot. Yes. I did read a feature that's going around on Yahoo Sports that this has been a crazy year for you, family drama that could be leading into this camp. Can you address some of that going on? I think this camp, you know, honestly, has been much better because we, I've, I've learned to um, change all that. You know, I've learned to block it. I learned to just focus one fight at a time, focus on one, one problem at a time. You know, and because obviously there's always going to be more money, more problems. There's always going to be more problems. But you focus on one at a time and you get them all down. New face in your corner with Joey Gamachi, correct? Being brought yeah. in. To, what's his role in this? Your father, Teofimo Sr., still your, first, your lead trainer. But what's Joey's role now? My father, yeah, he's always going to be the head coach. You know, um, we both have the same name and everything. I mean, we're always going to be together. Um, but, you know, we got Joey Gamash, uh, assistant coach. Basically, he advises with my father. You know him. They talk. They watch film. Uh, they've been watching film nonstop of Richard Comey, working on things. Of, and it's just been good, man. Obviously, it's, it's, it's a good turnaround that I needed for my career, especially at this point. 22 years old, married, on the verge of being a world champion. When I was 22, I was stuck somewhere in a couch with an ashtray and some uh, DVDs and video games going around. Where, where do you get this maturity yeah, I from? I forgot the beer part. Well, there's a few other things. Where, did, where I mean, seriously, where does this maturity come to, to be able to handle this? Uh, I, I got to say, man, I got to thank boxing. 
boxing, man. It's just the experience that you go through. Uh, growing up, growing up with my father and my mother, just things that I got to witness and got to see, man. Uh, being around older people, uh, older people, excuse me, older people than, uh, than expected at my age, you know, uh, when I was in my teens, childhood, everything like that. Uh, you know, just surrounding yourself with businessmen and everything like that, you kind of grab things like that from them. So, you know, you just, uh, surround yourself with great people and you end up becoming one. So. You know, that's my, that's my, my ambitions and my goal right there is just to be great outside, be the people's champion. One of your people that are great you surround yourself with is your promoter, 88 year old Bob Arum, who's fresh off a birthday. What do you get a guy who has it all for his birthday? Rolling papers? What are you getting? The great Bob father. Uh, the great Bob father. Um, a great win. That's for sure. And, um, uh, gotta say, you gotta give him more ganja. Wow, I will take that. Final question here. I saw some video floating around of sparring and somebody body slamming you. I know what happens in the gym stays in the gym. Can we get any comment on that? Oh, that's old, man. There's a lot of videos that I got out there that uh, I've had fighters, like, kick me, uh, try to kick me. Some come out with knives and try to stab me. I mean, it's just... These are real things that happen? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no BS, man. I mean, when you have a, fa- when you have a father that actually talks a lot and, and gets to their mind a lot, when you when you kicking their ass, obviously sometimes they'll get they'll take it too personal. So um, we've gone through situations like that. So the body slam and everything. I mean, hey, it comes with it, man. They get mad. That's how you know. So well, your man. dad can, can talk a big game. Do you ever have to take pops? Slow the roll a little bit. Maybe not use the words like Lomachenko all the time. Nah, you never know. You'd be surprised, man. Loma probably kicks me. <laughs> hey, my father gets the people's head real good, and I just kick their ass, and it just comes into two. You know, comes into one, and that's it. So I think. uh my father, you know, he talks a lot about Loma and stuff because it's just a big fight that he can see that overall is going to, for him, makes me the mega superstar, you know. So it's just really only, only it's honestly, it's just that, you know, he's looking more ahead of Loma. He's just looking at what what could come fighting Loma and beating him. So that's, Love you know, it. that's really it. But right now, main focus, Richard Comey. December 14th, Madison Square Garden, live on ESPN. This is a big night of fights. You want to close? You want to cut a promo on anybody? You want to tell Richard Comey what he's going to have to expect? You want to tell Vasily what he should be looking for? You want to tell me off? I'm sweating pretty bad over here. <laughs> uh, they all know, man. We coming. The takeover. Be ready. The takeover is real in 2019. This guy looking to close the year with a bang against Richard Comey on Saturday. Lightweight title at stake. Don't miss it. All right, special thanks for Teo Jr. giving me some time right there. Uh, up next is his top-ranked stablemate, Mick Conlon. Michael Conlon, Northern Ireland star, a Belfast boy, has this featherweight rematch, trilogy even, but first time as a professional with Vladimir Nikitin, who's 3-0, and the Russian, of course, got that very, very, very controversial Olympic decision in Rio in 2016 over Conlon. Conlon flipped everybody off. Nikitin was bloodied, banged up, couldn't even continue in the tournament. Yet Conlon feels he was wrong. He's going to tell you that story while I was interviewing him. And, and please check out the YouTube in, interviews if you want to watch these go down on CBS Sports uh, account, site, brand, whatever. I don't know. What, what are we talking about here? Go to go to the YouTube CBS Sports. You know what I'm talking about. Um, he's got a sweatshirt with, with a middle finger on it. I mean, it's great. He's, he's living up to It's on brand. It's on point right there. I love McCollin. Fun, fun kid, man. But he's 28, though. He's mature. He gets it. He knows where he's at. He knows his limitations. He knows his potential. And uh, if he wins this, man, he doesn't feel like he's far off from the likes of a Josh Warrington in an insanely crowded division. I know Top Rank has sort of changed there, too. Remember originally when he turned pro the same time as Shakur Stevenson? That we were going to see that fight. That that was the big build for down the damn road. Now you got Bob saying, look, yeah, maybe not now. One's going high in weights. He believes Stevenson will end up as a welterweight. Bob believes that Conlon will hang at 126 the rest of his career. He's already a man. He's already in his man strength. Dwyer does, Richard Dwyer does want us to remind us how we should look at Shakur Stevenson, though. I think Stevenson is someone you need to look at. Hard. All right, Rich. All right. Yeah. Well, you're about to hear hard my interview with Mick Conlon. Great dude. Great freaking dude. It's coming right at you right now. Enjoy. The pride of Ireland, Michael Conlon, on a course for redemption Saturday night at New York's Madison Square Garden when you open a triple header against amateur rival Vladimir Nikitin. And this takes us back 
2016 Olympic Games, Rio. And if you can see his sweatshirt in this, uh, in this beautiful representation of what he thought of the judges' scorecards that night, look, this story of you getting screwed on the cards has followed you from amateur to pro. Yes. We're going full circle. What are your feelings entering Saturday? I'm excited. I'm very, very excited. I put a, a hell of a camp in and, uh, I'm ready. So I'm looking forward to it. Take us back to 2016. This is probably the last time we can flesh out this story and really dig into it. Thank You're you. in a quarterfinal bout. You're favored to win. You, you clean up. You, you cut and bat and injure and outbox Nick Eaton. But the judges score it for him. First reaction in your heart, in your soul. At the time, I was devastated. Um, my lifelong dream of becoming an Olympic champion was, sh- was shattered and, you know, there was nothing I could do about it. So, I had to give my honest opinion and my honest thoughts and, and that's what kind of came out. I, I expressed myself and, you know, I think it resonated with a lot of people around the world and, and that's why this story is still so big and still so relevant right now. I mean, it got so big when you flipped off the judges, when you sort of made yeah. your statement in the post-fight interview afterwards. Uh, is that just come in the moment? That whole reaction you had there? That was just in the moment. That was real. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, boxers, a lot of, a lot of sports people are kind of, Media trained and scripted. I've had media trained when I was growing, when I was coming through the amateur ranks, but you know, when, when you be real and be yourself, you know, people feel more attached to you and, and resonate more with you, like I said. And yeah, I think that's why, you know, it kind of went so big and, and crossed over around the world. You know, so much people paid in and, and, and kind of felt, felt the same pain that I felt because at some stage in their lives, you know, whether it's a sport, whether it's life, you know, they've been screwed over. So the fact that I had done what I had to do, I think a lot of people kind of stood up for that. You certainly joined good company, I could say, of of top amateurs who got screwed over, Floyd Mayweather in 96, Roy Jones Jr. in 1988. In your situation, are you in your heart of hearts think it was a foul play, one million percent? Yeah, we, we all kind of know now that it was fair play, even now. You know, Tokyo Olympics are next year and the 36 referees and judges who were in Rio have been banned from, from Tokyo. So I think that says a lot. And then today as well with, with Russia being kicked out of the Olympics banned for the next four years, it says a little bit more, but we don't need to go in that today. You certainly made the most of a negative situation having taken a controversial loss. This has become your, your symbol here, the redemption, the middle finger. You, when you signed your pro deal with Bob Arum, did the double middle finger in the picture. It's kind of become your thing. But do you feel like you missed out on millions of dollars, uh, amateur glory with a gold medal? Do you ever, do you still look back and sort of have a negative feeling on how it went down? No, I want to look back on it now. You know, I, I believe it's a blessing in disguise. Um, I'm very, very grateful for how the way everything has turned out. As if you look at it, you know, I've had some of the champions from, from 2016 boxing my undercards. So I think that says an awful lot. Um, you know, the kind of general public kind of knew me right away instead of, you know, being an Olympic champion. There's what, 10 or 11 of those during that time. So, um, yeah, I think, I think everything worked out well. And, uh, and you know, what, what happens in life, what's meant to be is meant to be. And that was just meant to be. Now you can't fight the three judges who scored that bout against you and knocked you out of the Olympics. You can't fight the Olympic committee. You can fight Vladimir Nikitin again, this time as a pro. Is he just in the wrong place, wrong time? Do you plan on taking out sort of hostility and in, in years of anger on him on Saturday night? I wouldn't even say there's anger and years of anger. It's, it, this is, this for me is business. Um, I, I'm not attaching emotion to it. What happened happened. It's in the past. I looked at the future and I live in the present. So, you know, what for me, it, it, it obviously great storyline, you know, and, and I, I'm ready to close the chapter on, you know, what was and, and look forward to what's the future. Had you ever given thought of the possibility of when you two turn pro facing each other? Certainly you turn pro earlier. You've got more fights under your belt. This will be Vladimir's fourth pro fight. Is this a surprise to you that this came like this? Um, well, no, because when, when I did sign, it was one thing I said to Bob, we need to get that back. And, uh, maybe at the time I was feeling, feeling it more, you know, it was like still, it still was kind of hurting me, but you know, now it's, it's just, it's just business and, and it's a fate that people want to see. People want to see someone, you know, if they have a shot at redemption, would they grab it with fans? Of course they would. The general public would. Everybody would. So the fact that I'm getting to do it live on ESPN Saturday night is special. He only has three pro fights though, Vladimir. What have you seen from him as a pro? Is he on your level at this point now that, now that you both crossed over into the pro ranks? I think, see, see when it comes to the a number of bouts or, or anything as a pro, I don't think anything really matters. I think this is, this probably 
is more emotional for him because his career is being remembered for you know the, the decision against me, and he'll want to prove a point to, to prove the judges were right at the time. Um, for me, it's it's just it's two kind of high class rivals from the amateurs facing each other in the pros. So you know, I'm not going in thinking about his inexperience or anything. I'm going to expect this is going to be the hardest fight of my life, and I prepared that way, and I'm ready to ready to do a demolition job on him. Educate me on your first meeting. Your second meeting with Vladimir Nikitin was the controversial Olympic belt. What happened in the first amateur meeting? Yeah, listen, the, the first one, that was my first, my first fight at, at Bantamweight in the amateurs. I had only moved up like six days before as I couldn't make the weight below. And thank God John Drenevin had, had went pro and, and that weight was free. So I was able to move up six days before. Um, I still thought I, I actually won that fight, but it was still, it was close and, and, and I wasn't going to complain. You know, it was, it was still a close fight, but now in 2016, I was, I was fully grown. I was, I was, I was ready. I bossed him. Um, and the same will happen again, only I'll do it in more devastating fashion on Saturday night. Now I've heard you say you have nothing personal against him. Like you said off the stop, top, this is business. Vladimir Nikitin has come out in the press and basically said, look, this guy does a little bit too much talking about this whole situation. Do you think he's got a little uh, chip on his shoulder entering this belt? Of course, of course. Listen, he has uh, he has a lot, um, a lot more emotional atta- emotional attachment to this than me, as he all he hears about is me, whereas I'm hearing everything else. He's just hearing about me and how he screwed over me and and this and that. So he's going to want to go out and prove a point and, and try to right all the wrongs in his head. But for me, it's just it's straight business, and that's what it is. It's a, it's a good fight. Um, something that you know I've approached with the right caution, and I'm, I'm ready for Saturday. Look, you made uh, a big splash turning pro, having Conor McGregor walk you to the ring at Madison Square Garden a couple of years back. A lot of your early bouts have been featured on ESPN with your promoter Top Rank. How close do you think you are, if we get a victory on Saturday night, to stepping up to that title level at 126? Um, I, I know I'm very close. I'm very, very close. But for me, Saturday night is all I got to think about because. If Saturday night doesn't go to plan, the rest of the year or next year doesn't go to plan. So um, I'm focused on the job, not worried about what's next because I felt I've kind of, my whole career, I've been always thinking about the next fight before I've even worried about the fight that puts in front of me. So the fact that this one is is kind of grabbed my attention and grabbed my focus, I, I feel so happy and, I, and I, I believe I'm in the best place mentally and physically I've been so far as a professional. How important is this fight, given that storyline we just established going back to the Olympics? Not for you, because I asked you that, but for your family, for your country. How much is 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 this one that they've been looking at for a long time, hoping it comes? I think, you know, especially for my country, um, my family too. I, I, I was there in Rio, and they had been told before, uh, my, my, the coaches had been told before that we weren't going to get the decision. I had to do something. So my family knew going to the fight. They always say it was like they were going to someone's funeral, so... Um, the fact that they had to go through those emotions and experience it and probably take it a bit harder to me as, you know, I seen the reaction after what I'd done. I was like, oh, it's not too bad, but still I, I lost my dream. But I seen how they all felt and I, it was the first time I'd really seen my partner Shauna cry uh, with, with my baby and she was crying at a fight. I've never seen her kind of show that kind of emotion and, you know, that, that kind of hit home. And, and more so, I, I've watched... So the RT, uh, the Irish broadcaster, they were videoing, but they can't video the actual fight. So, um, I, at the games, they videoed the, the crowd and I watched, they videoed the, the reactions of my family and, and my, and my friends and, and the team during the bout. And to see that, that, that sparked fire under me and that, that gave me, you know, a real incentive. You know, I, I don't want them to experience that again. Never made myself, but for them more so, I'm a family man, and, and for them to go through that never again was my promise. And, and you know, Saturday night, I think this one will be very, very important for them, but also very important for Ireland. You visualize celebrating. You visualize a victory that features maybe two middle fingers afterwards. You know, maybe I'll, I'll flip the birds and then I'll give the thumbs up at the same time. I'll be like, <laughs> you know, I'll mix it up. You know, so uh, yeah, listen, I've, I've visualized everything. I've visualized. Even what I'm doing the next day and how happy I am and how, you know, how, how happy everybody is. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that feeling. But first, business. Business takes place Saturday, Madison Square Garden, featherweight bout against amateur rival Vladimir Nikitin. You don't want to miss this. A lot of emotion at play. Best of luck to you, Mick. And we're back. Special thanks to Michael McConnell. I asked him before the interview, what do you want me to call you, bro? 
He says, my mother calls me Michael. I love that. I love that. I call him Mick anyway. But his mother calls him Michael. That's my guy right there. Shout out to the um, shout out to the Irish crew. All the Irish crew. The, the, the Northern Irish. Is the Northern Ireland Irish crew called the Nirish? Or do they just fit under the 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 brand name of the Irish crew? I, I need some Irish history, okay? So could the Irish blokes out there hit me up on that? Uh, we're You know, we're... The more that we don't talk about this, we're losing the recipes. This is what's wrong with the day. The young ladies today, they're not learning from mom. How come we're losing recipes? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Michael Irvin, for the passion right there. Wow, get those recipes back, okay? Please, thank you. He won the world title being a fat guy. What's wrong with that? Nothing, Freddie. Nothing. Nothing at all. Uh, it's going to be an interesting challenge, though, Mick and Nikita. I don't think we really know what we're going to get from Nikita. I don't think we know if it will be a challenge. Oh, that's going to be a challenge. Yes, um, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. Hello, my boxing fans. Yeah, viva, viva. Mexico, Mexico, Mexico. All right, I got one more interview for you. It's uh, It's a fella who's representing... Dazone. By the way, there's a great soundbite Rafe sent me. I never added it to the board. It's Triple G pronouncing it Dazone. 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 Yes. On Showtime, a service I have. I've got that service. I've also got Dazone, Rich. I thought Dazone was going to hit us between the eyes with some great fights. That's basically what Demetrius Andre, the WBO middleweight champion, is saying. He wants them all. He wants Canelo. He wants Triple G. He wants Jaime Munguia. He wants them all. He's having trouble getting them one year into his matchroom and his own journey. But he's about to announce a big-time showcase opportunity for him to open the 2020 calendar year. You're going to hear that in a second. Rhode Island's finest, Demetrius Andrade. I love that, brother. And uh, he's colorful, and I really hope he ends up getting what he deserves, which, like we talked about at the start of this show with Bud Crawford, a chance to prove just how great you really are. So buckle up, Big Red Canelo, okay? Because he's coming at all gingers in this one. Or really just Canelo. I'm coming at all gingers. Wow, that's I don't know. I do like ginger. Yeah, well, me too. I do. Oh, yeah. I love ginger. Yeah, Rafe is a ginger too. Rafe Bartholomew. All right. Um, it's coming at you right now. It's Demetrius Andrade. Enjoy. Demetrius Andrade, quite possibly the best middleweight in the world. Talking to me right now. I'm fired up. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, just uh, living the lifestyle and, you know, trying to make it happen. That's it. Trying to get in, these, in, 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 these, in the ring with these guys. That's what I'm talking about. We're excited for your return, which you are announcing you're in my now. And on Thursday, January 30th, Super Bowl weekend, you'll be there. Title defense of your WBO crown against Luke Keeler. Talk to me about the location, the date, what that all means in terms of how big this fight is for you. Um, well, I just seen the arena that they um, are building for this thing, and wow, man, I'm very, it's an exciting moment. You know, the arena looks nice, it's beautiful, it's a definitely good, great setup, um, a different audience, too, on top of that, and I'm just excited, you know, it's Miami, welcome to Miami, baby, I'm, I'm going to be coming out to my Will Smith song. I love it, I love it. Talk to me about your 2019, because this was your first full year with Matchroom as your promoter, with the zone as your presenter. You, you go unbeaten in two wins over Arthur Ekavov and Machi Sulechki. How happy are you with the exposure, with the opportunities, now that you're a year and a half into this journey? I mean, I, this is definitely one of the best times. You know, I've been, as as far as my own one-year calendar from October to October, I got, I got to fight three times, and it's been a long time ever since I um, had the opportunity for that. And now going into this, um, you know, new year with fighting Super Bowl weekend down in Miami. I mean, it's a, they're definitely doing a great job to to have great events, especially with boxing, and, I'm, and I'm, I could be part of it and be honored to, you know, keep boxing going and show, this, you know, the sweet science and my skill as well, my personality to the people that, you know, might not know about me and um, let them see what great boxing is all about. 
Absolutely. And you brought that to the table from the beginning, going back to junior middleweight. And the problem was always, when are we going to see you against the very best so we can find out if those flashes of brilliance that you continually show, you know, work against the very best. Are you the best middleweight in the world? Like I said, off the top, how frustrating has this journey been in your pro career where you've had to sit out to get out of situations with promoters that you didn't want you've had to scream into microphones hopefully hoping that the big names will get you do you have any fear at 31 that you know big red canelo triple g you may not end up dancing with these guys um you know i, I mean i think you know it's funny i'm in my prime i mean i'm still tall black and handsome and going to be in the best shape of my life and um at the end of the day, these, these these fights have to happen. You know, Canelo's still young enough. I'm still young enough to, you know, happen in the near future. And as far as Triple G, you know, he's um he's a little older, a couple years older, and we don't know where he stands right now. But um, if they or myself want to claim being the best, you got to fight somebody in their prime. And my I think my prime guy is Canelo more than Triple G, but Triple G's still an outstanding elite fighter, and he's definitely um somebody to put your skills against to you know to see if you are one of the best out there all right what was your reaction in the build-up to canelo's fight with sergey kovalev in which we didn't know who he was going to fight names were being tossed around and he voiced which i thought was for the first time he voiced the name of boo boo andrade only he basically put you down said you're not a draw you're not a big challenge for him how did you react to that it's funny because was um, Rocky Fielding a draw or a guy, you know, was Liam Smith a guy, you know, I could I could keep going. Was um, Canelo's brother a guy, you know, I mean, I, the list goes on, you know, and <clears throat> looking at, you know, I'm not knocking Golden Boy's strategy of how they move in Canelo. They're doing a great job, as you see. But the, the, the timing of the guys that he's fighting, so the same Mosley, 40 years old, Kodo, 40 years old, and now Kovalev, 40 years old. I mean, listen, if he wants to be the champ of fighting the old guys, then so be it. But, um, you know, until he gets in there with, you know, the, the prime fighters, like myself, you know, he, he, he did step up with fighting Triple G, but like I said, Triple G's on his, you know, he's an older guy as well. Danny Jacobs is one of the guys that I gave, you know, credit of for him fighting. Uh, but uh, now it's time to step up, man. Now it's time to step up and fight Demetrius Andre to really claim because who else is out there that's going to bring that type of fight and the type of really hype job um, it, it's going to bring when you put Demetrius and Canelo in the ring together? Well, I think you always get a bad rap because you can talk and you can box and you can be flashy. You can pretty much do it all. You just really haven't hit your commercial peak yet. But do you feel pressure ever that, like, when it comes, when you sit there at night and go, man, how am I going to get Canelo into this ring? Do you ever feel pressure that you have to almost maybe act a certain way to get his attention that you don't want to? Like, do you have to show up in public and clown him and scream, you know, swears at him? Do you ever get that urge? Like, man, what do I have to do to get this guy? I mean, you know, nah, you know, I'm not going to be a, a buffoon. You know, I'm not going to, like, do that stuff. That's not, that's not me. That's not my character. What I'm going to do is, you know, um, get match room and the zone they need to you know we need to like do a, more of a job you know keep pushing um just keep me in the ring have great performances and let the world see like you know there's also demetrius andre out there that's and then, and then the fans and the people that's going to help demand that fight you know i'm not going to go to a press conference and act a fool because that doesn't do anything you know I'm, to my knowledge if he really wants to make the fight happen He's going to make the fight happen with or without that, just like he has with everybody else. What do you think a fight between you and Canelo would look like? How would that fight play out? What kind of would it, would it be a, a chess match? How would that thing break out? I'm going in to make it a bloody mess. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, uh, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's really going to have it. That one guy will let a whole lot of punches let let let, let go. You know, um, you know, there's me. It's really nothing I can't do against him. So, you know, the problem is, what can he do against me? That's fair. Now, do you, uh, again, final question here on Canelo. I don't want to take up this whole time talking about this this big red here, but uh, he's he's doing things in other weight classes. He moved up to 68. He just won a title at 75. Uh, is there any fear that he never comes back down to 160? Listen, 
the real 75s out there and the real 68s out there, he does not want to fight. <laughs> so he has no choice but to come back down because, you know, he's a smaller guy, of course, as far as height. Um, he, he, don't, he doesn't have, like, big, big power for the 68s or the real 75s out there. So it would be smarter for him to come back down to 160 uh, and, you know, and, and make it happen. Yeah, let's get the great Eddie Hearn on line one. Let's make this happen. All right, but the guy in front of you went Super Bowl weekend in Miami on that Thursday night when you invade Miami to make some noise. It is Luke Keeler, the Irishman, 17-2-1, five knockouts, 32 years old, fresh off his biggest win in August when he outpointed Luis Cuba Arias. How much do you know about this guy? What type of challenge is he going to be for you? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't really know anything about him, honestly, because you know, one, I don't know everybody in the in the, in the rankings, but um, you know, he's a guy that earned his uh, earned his um shot. I didn't pick him, you know, he happened to you know to uh, be picked, and so now I'm going to tune in uh, into him and see what he's about and prepare the way I need to prepare. But I always prepare to my style. I work on what I need to work on, and I heard him say something about somebody made a quote, or his, his quote was um. I will fight Demetrius Andre for free because beating him will give me a shot at Canelo. Yeah, why? Because you can't fight. You know, Canelo will fight somebody like you because you're a Rocky Fielding type guy. So, like, those type of quotes, don't rush your ass for me, brother. You know what I'm saying? Like, prepare, bring your A game, and let's put on the show. But why do you think you want to get past this guy? That's a, that's a fair point. He did say that exact quote, as you mentioned. Uh uh, do you have any um, hope for Super Bowl weekend? Who's your team? Do you have any hope that, that is your team still alive to make the Super Bowl so that you can win the same weekend? Come on. You, you, know, where, you know where I'm from, man. Rhode Island, you got to be a Pats fan, right? Exactly. New England, baby. What do you think? We're going to make it to the top, coming out there with my <laughs> New England outfit. We, I'm going to set it off for them and give them that, you know, that New England spirit. I'm going to bust Keeler's ass, and we're going to bust – I think it might be the 49ers. The 49ers, my people, but you know, we might, you know, New England, baby. So, uh, Patriots. What, what would that Tom Brady and Boo Boo Android after party be like? Oh, I think it would be um, something wild. <laughs> he, 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 he's a little older now, so he's like, yeah, this boy, why? This boy's wild, but I like him. I dig him, man. I dig him. I dig this kid. <laughs> All right, talk to me quickly about this middleweight division. We already established Canelo, Triple G. Who else is out there that you respect, that you could see fighting? Um, hmm. I mean, you know, I, I, I would have to um, tune in because, you know, there's a lot of probably upcoming guys that you know, can make their way into the top ten. Um as far as who's there now, I'm not too sure who's there right now. You know, you it's, it's kind of tough because, like, moving up. That's a zone fighter. Say it again. Jaime Munguia moving up to one. Oh, Munguia. Oh, yeah. I would definitely, um, you know, he is with the zone. He's Golden Boy. That's definitely a fight that I'm interested in. I think I actually mentioned him before about um, fighting him back when I think 154. I told him if he moved up to 160, I'd definitely give him the challenge. Um, yeah, he's definitely a guy I will fight. He's definitely a guy on a, on a horizon and somebody I will definitely fight next. Love it. I love it. I'm willing to fight. I'm, will, I'm willing to fight anybody, man. You know, this is my time. I'm in my prime. I'm tall, black, and handsome. I'm always going to be in the best shape of my life. And, it, you know, this is just it. Like, there's really not too many people <clears throat> that has the skills that has the talent, and that can bring a fight, you know. And I'm always going to bring a different style every time I fight, no matter what. If I have to use the sweet science and box, if I have to get inside and do what I need to do, if I have to dance look pretty for the night, I'm always going to find a way to win, and I'm always going to make it entertaining. As long as I'm being active and the more active I am, the better I'm going to become anyways. I mean, are you cursed with the fact that you might be too good at boxing? Is this the problem here? <laughs> I mean... You know that's it. Uh, you know, I mean, hey, you wanna you wanna be the best, you gotta fight the best. And if you wanna be the best, you gotta train hard. I've been fighting since I was six years old. I use my mind, and I use you know the skills and talent, and I always put my own spices on things. So yeah, you know, being good is it is what it is. But that doesn't mean you know fighters should not fight the best talented guy out there. 
I'm with you on that. Are you the most famous athlete from Rhode Island at the moment, or, or what? I see Peter Manfredo's trying to make a comeback and steal your shine right here. Give Boo Boo his moment. <laughs> yeah, tell Peter to sit down. <laughs> nah, you know, best of luck to Peter. I know he's coming. You know, he's trying to, you know, do his thing. You know, boxing life, boxing the business is not easy as well. And, you know, you definitely got to do the right things with, the, you know, the, the financial pop. Of when, when you get from the money you get from boxing, you got to do the right thing. You can't just be out here spending it thinking that it's always going to keep coming because you know it doesn't work that way. Do you respect- and I don't want to be I don't want to be forty five years old, forty years old fighting. I'm trying to get it while I can and do the right things. You know that is a smart move. Do you uh, respect what Danny Jacobs is doing, moving up to sixty eight? taking on a Chavez who has a lot of baggage around him. I mean, I thought we were going to see boo-boo and Danny Jacobs. I've been front row for that jam. <laughs> you know, you never know. I mean, 68 is right around the corner. It ain't, it ain't, you know, too far fetched. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, me and Danny Jacobs, we have history. And that's just what it is. But if we're going to make, you know, life-changing money to better our life in our situation, kind of like we haven't fought before, you know, we're going to definitely make it happen. All right. Thursday, January 30th. So, 68, 68, here I come. Tell, wow, wow, wow. You heard it right here. <laughs> we're going to see you again against Luke Keeler, WBO title on the line, Thursday, January 30th, Miami, Super Bowl weekend. Tom Brady's going to be going for the championship. So is Demetrius Andre. But I want to close with this. Maybe Canelo will be, will be dialing into the zone wherever he is around the world that night. Are you? Is this performance going to be a message for the for the great Mexican superstar? You know, oh, every every fight is every fight is. I'm 28 and 0 with 17, 28 and 0 with 18 knockouts, something like that. I don't know. I don't keep track, but I know I'm undefeated. I'm the baddest. I got the baddest skills. My jab, everything that I do, you know, is on point. I stay sharp and I I do what I do. But for for Canelo and their team to sit here and try to like downplay me is like is, is is silly it's silly and then boxing fans know it you know people that really don't know who i am yet will know soon and they can't use the excuses anymore of who's demetrius andrade or who he's pouring or you know who has he fought because i can sit here and name all the guys that can never fought that i'm 10 times better than that have way way more skills and experience and uh, I am a two champion and I'm willing to fight. So like the excuse has got to be out the window. Why is the Rocky Fielding get the opportunity but not me? Why does Alina Smith get the opportunity but not me? So it's just like I don't understand. I love it. I love me a fired up Demetrius Andre. January 30th. Can't wait brother. Thanks for the time. Good luck to you. Yes. All right. Thank you. And we're back. Special thanks to Boo Boo, Andrade, and DeZone for the time. That is your boxing bonus interview pod schedule of the week uh, for box Thursday. But like I told you at the start of the show, the, the state of combat train just keeps choo-chooing because on Friday, UFC 245 from Vegas, media day, you're going to hear from all the big names, your boy BC, chatting it up with them. Instant analysis Saturday night after the skinhead white guy bowl there in Vegas. Same on Sunday after WWE TLC. It don't stop. And I do want to get you fired up and excited because, first of all, I see what you're doing over there. You know, we understand what you're doing by the hot dog truck. Thank you, Rich. Thank you. At least somebody got the thing, the, the dong right. I don't know. Um, I know you know that I'm a part of that piece of business called PBC face to face. And I know that you know and that I know that right now the best episode in PBC face to face history is circulating. Check your local listings on FS1. Go to the Fox Sports Go app. Go on demand on Fox if you have that with your cable provider. Find yourself PBC face to face Charlo Harrison Deuce because it is a wild piece of business getting you set up for that December 21st. 154 title rematch on Fox. Uh, next week on the State of Combat, we've got interviews with both Tony Harrison, Jermel Charlo. That you're not going to want to miss. I did those that same day on the lot, Fox, in between the press conference and the face to face. So it's wild. You're going to like it. It's, you're going to like the way you look at it. I guarantee it. But for now, it's your boy BC signing off. Thank you to my special guests, Mick Conlon, Teo Jr. Demetrius Boo Boo Andrade. 
Bud Crawford, until we meet again, bro, we'll be back on this pod. We'll be talking about who's got the bigger toolkit. We'll be, you know, we'll be we'll be throwing around names and be like, oh, Garcia? Then you realize, oh, that's Danny. Oh, that's Danny's night. Yeah, we'll be doing those things. I love you, Bud Crawford. You're sublime, all right? I, look, I don't practice Santeria. I ain't got no crystal ball, but you are sublime, my friend, and I want to see you against the very best in the world. Yes, thank you. I'm a proper dosser. Uh, yes, Grandpa, tell me off, please. So obviously he's going to do whatever he wants. Yeah, right. All right, price. enough. All right. <laughs> all right, all right. The interview's over, folks. The interview is over. And with that, let's close this interview. All right. Nothing else to say, but we out.